Now, to be fair, I may be combining two memories. I don't know. But as I recall it, this is, we're going back more than 50 years. Uh, these two stories actually are, are one story. This is what, I, what happened when I was about 10 years old. So I was on a school trip. We were at a zoo. And while viewing a black vulture about the same size as I was at the time, I spotted a huge feather in the bottom of its cage. And with my friend Philip Mitchell egging me on, and no teacher in sight, no zookeeper in sight, I reached through the bars, my heart pounding in case this huge bird took my hand off, and I grabbed this feather and I took it home. Here's a photo of one just like it. Mine's actually slightly larger than that one, but that's what it looked like. It's a black vulture feather. And when I expressed a desire to write with it, my father got out his old um, surgical kit from school. I had one of those as well. How many of you ever had a surgical kit with a scalpel in it and tweezers and all that? Yeah, fantastic. Anyway, I digress. He took out his scalpel and he crafted a nib. And then I found a, a roll of lining paper that was lying around, you know, like plain flat wallpaper. And I measured out and lightly drew in pencil lines for each of the lines. I was going to write on. And then in deep red ink, I very carefully copied the psalm that we're going to look at today in my best calligraphy, with each letter being over two inches high. Now, having laid out the first few lines, I didn't realize quite how many lines it would take. And so uh, from the starting point at the top to the bottom, it ended up being about 10 feet long. And so want to encourage, wanting to encourage my artistic leaning and my young faith, my parents very graciously allowed it to be hung on the wall with a dowel top and bottom, hung on the wall on the way up the stairs, uh, where it stayed for quite a number of years. The psalm was Psalm 23. And this is the last talk in this series entitled A Lamp to My Feet. We've been looking at various psalms and how they give us language and how they give us light to navigate the various terrains and experiences of our lives. So as we've done throughout the series, someone has read the psalm. So I'd like to invite Martin to join me and come and read this to us. This is one of the best known and most loved psalms. And even if you're not a regular at church, you may have heard it before. You may have heard it read at a funeral or Thanksgiving service. But however familiar you are with it, as Martin reads it to us, I'd really just encourage us to focus on the words. Maybe you'd like to close your eyes and just echo the words in silent prayer. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Martin. There's, there's so much that could be said about this one psalm. It's, 
incredibly rich, paints these different word pictures for us in just so few words. I'm aware of one church that did a 10-week sermon series on just this psalm. It's not even 10 verses long. But today, I just want to focus in on a couple of parts of it and what it really has to say to the weary. So as we start to look at this psalm, I just want to ask by asking you, how, how are you doing? How are you today? Do you feel weary, worn down? Do you feel desperately in need of a rest? Uh, some of you may be enjoying the slightly slower pace of life that seems to come through the summer, summer holidays, but many of you may not be. Maybe the demands of work or demands of your family or just feel endless. Maybe you're free, uh, facing a challenge in your spiritual life, in your mental or physical health or stress about your finances or maybe you feel like you're in a battle about something and you just feel exhausted. And if so, this psalm gives us some incredibly encouraging words for the weary. So the psalm opens by declaring, the Lord is my shepherd. This was written by a shepherd. It was written by a king. It was written by King David about 3,000 years ago who in his formative years from being a boy had been a shepherd. And so he knew exactly what being a shepherd meant, what it entailed in ancient Israel. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I know what a shepherd does and that is how I see the Lord. And a shepherd was not someone who just came, kind of clocked on, did an eight-hour shift and then went home and you know, stayed in a nice home, whatever. A shepherd was basically a 24-hour-a-day job, simply lived with the sheep, was always present 24 hours a day, caring for their every need, day and night, didn't matter whether the weather was great, whether it was uh, bad, he would have nurtured, guided, fed, protected his sheep. The shepherd would assume full responsibility for the needs and safety of his flock, even risking his own life uh, for their protection and um, you know, protecting them from whatever came against them. And this is what God has chosen to be for his people. He's their everything. He's their constant protector, their constant provider. And so straight off the bat, Psalm 23 reminds us of God's ever-present, always-present care for us. One of the ways it describes God's care for us is this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. In Israel, uh, that was a land really with very varied landscape. Some areas were really quite dry, really quite arid, and other places were really rich in their vegetation. And the shepherd led his sheep on the various parts of the day and week to a place where they could be refreshed. There were times when they actually got to be in a green place, a place with grass. But what about lying down? Well, sheep by very nature are fearful. They can be skittish, they're easily scared. And when they are, they won't lie down. They'll just be munching the grass and they'll stand, but they a sense of alertness all the time. They won't lie down. But a shepherd who they know and trust, can provide the calm assurance that they need. And as the shepherd sits down, he makes the sheep, they just lie down with the shepherd. They will rest. He makes them lie down. Seems to me that he's communicating by his actions that like sheep, we're not going anywhere. We are now staying in this meadow. So just relax, stop, lie down like this guy who I met in Wales 
last week. <laughs> Take a load off your feet. Just uh, chew the cud for a while. Chill out with the shepherd. What about the quiet waters? Well, weary sheep need a long, refreshing drink. And for a shepherd in David's time, this most likely came in the form of a stream. But sheep are instinctively afraid of running water. And so the shepherd had to find a place on a stream where the water was pretty still. And if that wasn't available, he would pick up a few large stones to create a barrier, a bit of a dam, uh, to divert the flow of the current, causing the stream to slow at this protected point and create quiet waters, which the sheep would then be able to come down and they would drink from. The Lord is our shepherd, and he invites us to join him in places of refreshment, places of stillness with him for a reason. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Do you ever find that the pace of life, the demands of life, actually leave you feeling dry, actually feel, you feel in need of refreshment? Many of us will know the experience of feeling that we're just always on the go. Some of you are parents, and these days, I mean, in my day, they just said, see ya. You know, you, you may be seven years old, see ya. We'll see you, be back before it's dark. I mean, that was basically how parenting worked when I was young. But now it's, you're ferrying here and to and fro and juggling the knees of children. Many of you will have jobs which are very demanding, uh, maybe really stressful Anxiety, we all know in our society today, is at a record to be an all-time high. And with our communication devices in our phone, it really is hard to switch off. Life sometimes feels it's just going at 100 miles an hour, and we're, we're just coping, we're just managing to keep up, keep pace with what is going on. And we can find ourselves, if we're not careful, running on empty, in desperate need of refreshment, tired, worn out, even approaching burnout. And I'm reminded of what Jesus said to his followers in Matthew 11. This is the message translation of this text, beginning at verse 28. Jesus says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That last little part of the sentence, some of you are thinking, I'd love to live freely and lightly. I don't feel I'm doing that. Keeping company with him is the issue. The Lord is our shepherd and he looks at our over busy, over stretched, over frantic lives and he says, that's not how it's meant to be. Dear child, that's not how I designed you to function. Right now, some of you might find yourself described in that passage. Are you tired? Yep. Are you worn out? Yep. Are you feeling burned out? Some of you might say, Yep, or if not, then I'm pretty close to that. And here's Jesus' invitation. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Keep company with me and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Taking time out 
of the rat race or whatever the pace of life is, is so important. Time out to be present to the one who is always present to us. You know, he's, he's there waiting. We're just scurrying around. The one who is always present to us is thinking, John, slow down. Would you be present to me? To the one who cares for our needs, leads us through different types of terrain, the one who protects us, our Lord, our shepherd. If we just press on with our pace of life because we don't have time to take time out, we can end up, as described here, tired, worn out, and approaching burnout. And that applies physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Some of you may have heard me speak about a book enthusiastically by Alex Young Kim Pang called Rest, Why You Get More Done When You Work Less. And it's really helpful to understand the importance of time out for living and working in the most productive and the most fulfilling way. Alex Pang in the book, he encourages that rather than thinking about work and rest as being opposites, that you do the one when you're not doing the other, actually to think about them as partners, as a synergy between work and rest. And in his book, he presents overwhelming scientific research. And uh, to be honest with you, I've read it a couple of times through, but a lot of it's like, yeah, Alex, I get your point. You've proven that rest is so, so important for an effective working life. But he presents this overwhelming scientific research which shows that taking time out, taking reasonably spaced rest periods actually increases our productivity over working continually. Neuroscientists have found that far from being dormant when we take time out, when we sleep, rest, even when we're daydreaming, parts of the brain which are inactive during work become active during rest. They wake up. Some of you will know the experience of working hard and you're struggling to figure out a solution or how are we going to creatively solve this problem? What could we do? And it's like nothing's coming, it's not working. It's just say, I've just got to stop working. So you lay your tools down, just watch some birds on a bird table and before you know it, you think, that would work. The creative solution comes. That's because that part of your brain wakes up when you stop working. And so it's productive. It's the most fulfilling and actually productive way you can work is to take time out of work and you'll find you know, the, the effectiveness grows rapidly. And he writes this, a little paragraph or a sentence I'm going to read and then I'll transpose some other words into it. So he writes this, rest has never been something you do when you've finished everything else. If you want rest, you have to take it. You have to resist the lure of busyness. Make time for rest. Take it seriously and protect it from a world that is intent on stealing it. So he's talking about rest. As we apply this to our relationship to the Lord, our shepherd, the same principle is present. So allow me to just interpose some words into that long sentence. So quiet time with the Lord has never been something you do when you've finished everything else. If you want time where you are deliberately present with the Lord, you have to take it. You have to resist the lure of busyness, make time for it, take it seriously and protect it from a world that is intent on stealing it. Debbie and I have a spiritual director who for the last, goodness knows, eight years probably, we we have a Zoom call separately but with him probably about every three months now. And um, his name is Larry Warner, and he wrote a book, which I would also recommend, called Discernment 
God's will and living Jesus. Really helpful in understanding the Lord's leading and how do I discern what the Lord is leading me into? Um, in which he talks about embracing the unforced rhythms of grace that I just referred to in that text from Jesus. And he noticed in his book an interesting word picture which speaks into what I'm talking about really quite uh, clearly, which I've, uh, just a little short mention, but I've meditated on it a bit, I've expanded on it because I think it's profound. So as I introduce this thought, let me give you uh, the concept, the wider concept. You and I can only experience God when? In the present Probably many of us will have experiences of God in the past, which we might look back on with special fondness, where God seemed to be particularly close. Perhaps uh, where we experienced a touch of his Holy Spirit. Perhaps we can think of times in the past, but that was then. There may be occasions in the future where there will again be delightful experiences with God, times of connection with him. But the only time we can actually experience the Lord is now, in the present moment. We experienced him in the present moment in the past, and the present moment we will again in the future, but right now is the only time we can actually experience him. And the only place where we can experience him is where? Where we are. There may be a great move of God going on some other part of the world. We're not there. There may be some wonderful things happening at some gathering you know, of God's people, like in your small group in a couple of weeks' time or next Sunday or whatever. But if we aren't there, we won't experience what those who are there will be experiencing. It has to be now, and it has to be here, in the present moment, and in the place where we are actually present. And yet, in the busyness of life, the reality can be that with so much rushing around and doing errands and emails pinging on our phone and things that keep our life filled with very little space, very little downtime, we may find that our sense of connection with God, our ability to tune into his still small voice, can be all but lost. We can find ourselves as we whiz around doing the things that we do. If we were to stop to think, which we probably don't do, we might think, well, where, where was God today in my experience? Where is God in my life? Where is he moving? Where is he acting? Where am I experiencing him? God seems to be distant. It's like he's, he's nowhere in my day, particularly. He's kind of nowhere to be found. All that to lead up to this profound thought. If we find ourselves in that place, here's the thought. We can only experience God in the present moment as we make ourselves present to him, the one who is always present to us. As we slow down, we can experience his closeness in the moment, in the now, and become aware of that encounter in the here and now. So here's the thought. To move from nowhere to now, here, all it takes is a little bit of space. If you're listening to this on an audio recording, can you picture what I'm showing there on the screen? The word nowhere becomes the two words now, here, by introducing a little bit of space. Jesus said, get away with me. 
Get away from what everything you're doing. Get away with me. Sometimes that's exactly what we need to actually get away. Two months ago, uh, I had a very, very demanding couple of weeks. Debbie and I were dealing with a situation, very, very complex situation, which needed greater wisdom than almost anything that we've experienced in like 37 years or whatever it is of pastoral ministry. And the stakes were very high. There were very strong feelings uh, involved, a number of people. And the decisions we made and the way they were executed would be reported on the, in the internet press and to be read by people around the world. And so it was pretty intense there. And so as I often do in times of um, particular stress, I got on my motorbike, I headed out to one of my quiet places and I parked up, I walked down to my little lake. I call it my little lake because I've never seen another human being there. And... Uh, if you really want to know, you can ask me afterwards. I'll tell you where it is. I'm not going to tell you lot because I don't want to bump into like a whole bunch of people down in my lake. You know, it's a quiet place, okay? Anyway, I sat on the log on the bank of this little lake where I've sat on a number of occasions before. And I was in need of some soul restoration, some refreshing of my soul. And the best place for me to find that in God's presence is often, as the psalm talks about, beside quiet waters, and as I sat and prayed, I just talked over the situation with the Lord. And interspersed with prayer, I just sat. And the Lord says, just get away with me. I got away. I was only with him and just sitting on a log. So I sat still and just observing the sights, the sounds around me. And I noticed things which I often don't have time to notice. This extraordinary colored dragonfly hovered just in front of me. And so I pulled out my phone and I videoed it. Now, I've never seen one like this before, and so I was just fascinated as it danced around. Presumably it was hunting for food. And the longer I sat still, the more my presence seemed to not be noticed by the various things going on around me, and things fly. I felt like Francis of Assisi for a moment there. I, I just rested my boot on a part of the log where, my, where various dragonflies seemed to like to land. And it wasn't long before I had a few different dragonflies land and just take a rest on my boot, including this guy. And uh, I talked to the Lord about it and uh, about the beauty of his creation and I thanked him for the opportunity to take this time out by still waters, for the sense of calm which came over me in the midst of the storm that I was attempting to lead through. A week ago, I spent a couple of days in Wales, again on my motorbike, and along with riding around Snowdon and up and down, I stopped. I just came across a lake, so I stopped and just sat for quite a while, just, just being there, stopped by still waters. And the water was so still, the reflection, there it is, was just wonderful. There is something apparently built into the human psyche which finds views of expanses of water refreshing. It could be the ocean, it could be a lake, it could be a river. And uh, scientists suggest that the color blue is therapeutic, having a calming, a relaxing, yet actually an energizing effect on our minds and bodies due to its specific wavelength. And whether a person knows it or not, or whether they know the Lord or not, the experience of time being quiet by water, refreshing their soul, is likely one that they would recognize, and probably many of you do too. Now, I share these experiences and all that detail because I believe deliberately getting away, getting away with him, getting away from the pressures of life, finding a quiet place may be something 
worth building into your life if it's not already there. As Jesus said, get away with me and you'll recover your life. So what might getting away with him look like for you? What might it look like for you to find a place of connecting with the Lord now, here? Psalm 46 verse 10 says, be still. Sometimes if we want to know the presence of the Lord, it just says, be still and know that I am God. The message translation of that text says this, step out of the traffic. I love that. Step out of the traffic, exclamation mark. And that is the Lord's word for some of you today, I believe. Step away from the hurried pace of life. Find a place to meet with God. Someone said, you need to come apart. If you don't come apart, you will come apart. Now, I realize that we're all different, and being in nature may not be as meaningful to you in your devotional life as it is to me. Some of you look at me like, you're weird. Where do you find the time to sit there and watch the dragonflies and all this? This is crazy. I would never find anything connecting with God in nature. Well, we're all wired differently, right? So maybe for you, maybe it's literally beside quiet waters or some equivalent but very different place of retreat. Maybe for you, it's a busy coffee shop with a grande latte. It's simply time away from what you're normally doing. Or maybe it's a chair, a favorite chair, or it's a room in your home, or a space in your garden, or somewhere that you've got to travel to and go and find. I encourage you not to let the busyness squeeze out such experiences. There's an invitation today, however busy, however stretched you feel, to build in some time for retreat, just to, to, to make space for the Lord to lead you to green pastures, the quiet waters, whether that's literally or whether it's figuratively. And if you wouldn't describe yourself as a follower of Jesus, perhaps you wouldn't say you're a Christian, but somehow you're intrigued by this, you long for the kind of rest that I'm talking about or the kind of connection with God that I'm describing, this invitation extends especially to you and there'll be time later on to respond to it. The psalm continues in verse 4, even though... I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord is our shepherd no matter what life throws at us. He leads us to safe places of refreshment, but he is also with us as we walk through tough seasons. He says here, even though I walk through the darkest valley, you're with me. Even though, it doesn't say we won't walk through the dark valleys, but rather that we need not be afraid because he is with us, he is there to comfort us. The shepherd's rod and the shepherd's staff were tools for protecting the sheep from harm. So the rod apparently was a short, thick, heavy stick. It was worn at the shepherd's belt and it was used as a weapon to fight off wild animals trying to make an easy meal out of an otherwise defenseless sheep. And so the shepherd says, excuse me, boom, bring out the, the rod. The staff, also known as a crook, you can probably picture a long pole with this curved end, which was used to direct the flock, you know, to keep them out of danger, keep them close to the shepherd. And if a sheep became trapped or stuck, then the shepherd would just loop the curved end around the neck of the sheep and just retrieve it, bring it back 
to safety. So both the rod and the staff were used to protect the sheep. I'm not sure how sentient sheep actually are, but if they are aware of such things, you might imagine that even in the most perilous situations, they will be comforted that their shepherd has the right tools to keep them safe. Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble. There will be dark valleys, basically. In this life you will have trouble. That's a fact in a fallen world. But that sentence goes on, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Take heart, the good shepherd has overcome. We're, we're not by any means promised a trouble-free life, but we can know with absolute certainty that the one who stands above all the chaos is with us in the chaos. Some of you today are in that place. You feel like you're perhaps walking through the darkest valley you've ever experienced. Maybe it feels perilous, or maybe you've got trapped, maybe you've got stuck. I believe there's a reminder today for anyone who feels like that to be comforted. You know, our shepherd shepherd is more than equipped to deal with whatever situation you might be finding yourself in. He's inviting us all to trust him. So this psalm, there's many more words which I don't have time to cover, but gives us some wonderfully encouraging word pictures, some words for the weary. Some of us today are feeling that we are perhaps always on the go, juggling the demands of work or family life. Some of us need to be reminded that the Lord is our shepherd. He is the perfect shepherd who is always with us, always attentive, always caring for our needs. And today I believe he's inviting us to join him in places of refreshment, to find places of stillness with him. I'd encourage those of you who feel that way to make carving out somehow time and space, whatever that looks like for you, make it a renewed priority. Maybe plan it, even this week, an hour. Plan something in your diary to deliberately and intentionally create space to become aware of his presence with you, to experience the replenishment and the peace that comes with that. Others of you perhaps are facing significant challenges or stress in your life that's left you feeling exhausted. If that is you, I believe God wants you to have comfort in the fact he has the right tools to protect you, the right tools to guide you. However you're feeling today, Psalm 23 is a great reminder of the promises of God, that with him, the perfect shepherd, we can have peace, rest, and assurance, even in the most difficult of times. All he's asking of us as sheep, like sheep following a shepherd, is to put our trust in him and to be near him. Not to wander off and get busy, but to be near the shepherd. As we move into a time now of ministry when we can respond to anything the Lord might be stirring within us, Martin's going to come and read the psalm again. And so can I invite you, if you're able and would like to, to stand with us? And as Martin reads it aloud, I just really would encourage you to close your eyes, maybe even hold out your hands in a receiving posture. Just let the words speak into your situation. Be refreshed and comforted or just enjoy God's presence. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> 